Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff run to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Howdy folks, welcome back to Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer. And we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week in our standard weekly previews, as well as our post-game Twitter, Twitter space coverage that you can find live after some important games, which we do have plenty of those coming up. So be on the lookout for that. I'd also like to mention that we are, again, the 1012 Network's podcast arm in Cincinnati. I don't even know what we're calling that podcast arm. So make sure to check out the 1012 network and don't forget as well to check out our sponsors, Charlie hustle, who've been supporting us through this entire season. Very happy to be working with them. They've got some great apparel and uh, we're going to give them a little spotlight here later in the show, but to start us off, the Bearcats just won as of like 15 minutes ago, they just played Stetson five, uh, five point win. It was a close yep. one, probably should have been farther, did not cover the spread, but it's okay. We won the game. But since we last talked, the Bearcats have played Stetson, they played Merrimack, and they also played Dayton. Steve, the Bearcats are now 10-2, and two, but does it feel like 10-2? and two? And what are the vibes? General vibe, what is the vibe? General vibe reporting for duty, sir. Uh, vibe is not good, sir. Um <laughs> I don't really want to say it's not good, Justin. I mean, 10 and 2, obviously, you take that all the time, uh, not dropping by games like a certain team across town. Um, but it's just, it's like the most uh, 
toothless 10 and 2 if that makes sense like it's the um the very like diet version of a 10 and 2 like you know there's just not many not much beef not many calories not very much lean yeah yeah it's a very lean like it's the, it's like a 98% uh beef 2% fat uh kind of ground beef of a resume so far <laughs> i mean um i haven't really checked up with georgia tech lately i don't know if that win is still holding but uh we'll hold that do uh, georgia tech win over duke f- forever in our hearts but um you know uh we we had a couple rough games um i'm not going to say that the bearcats kind of underperformed they're missing a couple key contributors in both games um kind of taking the load management route to this past week against Merrimack and Stetson. But um, it is a little bit disappointing though, Justin, and uh, we have not obviously not recorded since uh, we watched the Dayton game. Um, For those of you who were there in the space that night, uh, it got a little emotional. Like (laughs) people forgot to hit record. So unfortunately we missed out on that one, but it is okay. You were there live if you were there. Yeah. And I do think it was just like frustrating to just um, and, you know, I'm not I, I think probably I'm projecting a little bit. And to be honest, my brother has not even texted me about like Dayton beating UC. He's not he's he's a football guy, you know, he's, he's waiting. Really, yeah, what he's doing. Yeah. He's saving. Yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it also it's just like it seemed like that was going to be a good day for Cincinnati to show up and show out because you knew Dayton was coming. Uh, Wes had to really plead with fans to show up um and the Dayton kind of took over that crowd and they took over that game too yeah I think one of the most important parts that I've noticed throughout the season um you did mention local teams dropping some bye games um and I, I as funny as that is it is at least a little bit comforting that the Bearcats are taking care of business in fifth third so far of course there's a lot of time left and a lot of very difficult games that can really, you know, screw us over. But I think at least so far, they've done a good job of that. I do think that if this game against Dayton was in fifth third, it's probably closer. But the way that they were prepared for that game, I don't know if they would have won that if it was at home. I don't know if it would have made any difference. It's downtown Cincinnati. It's literally 10 minutes down the road. Like you should be able to pack that out. It should be no problem. It should be a home game is a team that you were supposedly better than and supposed to be better than. And they absolutely ran a train over you. It wasn't even close. Like Dayton demolished Cincinnati. And credit to Dayton. Dayton looks like a legit team this year. They they lost to Houston at a neutral site by like less than 10 points. They, you know, they took care of St. John's who obviously beat X by a bunch. Uh, They, they've looked pretty decent in some games. And so, you know, and Deron Holmes is a pretty good player. So I'm not like, if I were to say, if I were to look at it from two perspectives, Justin, and I want your take on my thought here, but um, you know, so if you really think about it, like we've played 12 games so far, we haven't had two of our big men for them. We've had a couple injuries along the way as well, really starting to work out the rotation. Um, and obviously, you know, we've take uh, we've passed every other test except for Xavier and Dayton uh, passed all of our home tests uh, and looks like if we can hold on, and win next week against Evansville, we're going to enter big 12 play with an 11 and two record. And I do think that obviously we joked about, it's a very lean 10 and two, um, or it will be like an 11 two. But if you had like, you know, maybe if you had been able to flip one of those games, you'd feel a lot better about this team going into big 12 play. Right. 
Well, and I, I think, I think the way that I look at it, um, it's going to be interesting when we go through the rest of the season, because you already kind of touched on this in, in a way of the Xavier games so far, the Houston games so far in Dayton, there's a lot of transitive property happening early on in the non-conference season, which I think is really interesting because we don't usually have a lot of that of like, we played this team and this team played a team that we played it too. So like you get some really apples to apples comparisons early. However, um, you know, I think we'll see how some of that ages. I definitely, I, I definitely would agree. I think the momentum is much, much different if you just sneak away one of these games. If you, if you manage to snag Xavier, you obviously flip the script on the shootout conversation for the past few years on end. You flip the script narrative going forward for this season. You lose to Dayton, but you beat Xavier. All is fine. You slipped up against a team that is pretty damn good. You lose to X, you beat Dayton. Okay, you lost the game you wanted to win, but you took care of business against a team that you should have beat, but also looks really good. Yeah. And so now oh. that you don't do either, I'm wondering, this is part of where I'm getting, getting at it. So of course I think you're going to feel better. But my question would be, you lose to Xavier, you lose to Dayton. It doesn't feel great. But you're 10 and two. How would you feel about that 10 and two if you beat Xavier or Dayton, but you lost one of these gimmies? Say you lost at Howard, but you beat Dayton. So yeah. you're still 10 and two, but you beat one of these teams. Do you think that the team vibe feels different? Do you think the fan base vibe feels different if you beat one of the tougher teams that quad one kind of win, but you lose a game that you should have won? Without question. And I do think it's one of those wins that Wes really needs, to be honest. No one's going to try and fire Wes Miller right now. He just got an extension as well last year, but I still feel like, I mean, you said it, Justin, 2-17 and 17 in quad one games. It still feels like he has not had that one win that really unites the fan base and gets everybody excited about the momentum where this is going. And, you know, I was thinking about this, Justin, and maybe Wes is the guy that is really just building this up and it's it's coming, but I don't know if he will be the long-term guy to get this going. Maybe, you know, he sets it up, runs it real well, and then... I was just thinking about this, Justin, Nick Van Exel or um, Eric Martin just come in here to start recruiting like five stars and we're playing like nine. Actually, no, no, no. I take that back. I was watching UAB today uh, play Drake and I was like, Andy Kennedy, bring him home. <laughs> like, I, I, I was, man, I was dreaming about like, we're already wearing the blocks, you know, why not just bring yeah. somebody back from that coaching staff? I digress. No one's going to fire coach, uh, coach West right now, but I still don't think he has a hundred percent buy-in uh, from this fan base. And I think with football taking a downturn this year, a lot more attention got focused on the basketball, especially with the seven and zero start. And people were really just hoping and praying that they, this could be the year, especially with how Xavier came into that game. And obviously they took care of their business and we didn't. Right. I do think though, that the, this big 12 schedule gives gives Wes multiple opportunities to really go out and like pick off a couple teams. And if he can do that and show proof concept, I think people are going to be on board. Like, yep. if you somehow go into Allen Fieldhouse and beat Kansas, which West Virginia still has not done in their 11 years of being in the Big 12, that's like, 
that's big time, brother. Yeah. Like if you even go in and beat BYU at BYU, that's big time too. Like there's beating a top 10 team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you get Texas at home that first game. I just looked at our schedule, the first five games, man, all of the teams are, uh, if not ranked really good. Like TCU is the only team that is not ranked out of our first five teams. And well, and I was going to mention this uh, in a little bit, but you're already on it. So I'll hit this TCU also has a handful of votes. So they're sitting right outside the top 25. If they put together another win or two and maybe win their first big 12 game, there's an opportunity that we play a ranked TCU as well. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it could be five out of the first six. It's going to be like Big East days all over again, people. So <laughs> I hope you all are ready for that. It's going to be like Big East days on steroids at oh, this point yeah. because like the the lineup that we have out the gates is just going to be an absolute gauntlet. Um, of course, I am I am actually kind of glad that it is very front heavy um, because I think it allows you to say like, okay. The Big 12 starts playing against each other. They're all beating up on each other. If you lose a few games in the beginning, get some momentum towards the end. Get some momentum in some games that are winnable, but teams will look better when they sneak a win against Kansas or Houston or somebody before we get to the end of that. Um, I think the part that makes me nervous about this whole thing with the Big 12 that we haven't really touched on because we've been so focused on this year and specifically where this year is headed and where the season is going. I'm really nervous about next year <laughs> because you add in Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona state. I don't know if any of those teams give you any other toss ups. I don't know. If Arizona state's other... a toss up. I just toss-up. watched them okay. lose by 20. Maybe Arizona like state's a toss up. <laughs> they, they might be firing their coach this year, but, but you're right. Yeah. The other three right. are still like really good pro like in, right. in Colorado, not like as good over the past 10 years, but they've been ranked at different times this year. They've looked pretty good. Yeah. I, I just, I'm really concerned that you add a few more of those teams to the schedule and suddenly it becomes even more difficult to get your head out of the water. I think that you're getting the right guys. Clearly, we've seen proof of concept individually with some of these guys. They've had their flashes. Dan Skillings tonight had 29 points. We've shown that he he has shown that he can be a very, very flashy scorer. The problem is, awesome, is he way. is a flashy scorer. He is yeah. not a consistent scorer. And yeah. so, granted, he's young, but and he's got time, but you need consistent scores if you're going to have the bench scoring be a helpful thing. If you're going to have multiple guys be in double digits, make them the same guys be in double digits. Make sure that it's a consistent expectation week in, week out, that you know what to look forward to, and you have a roster that's not going to start dropping goose eggs in the middle of the season playing in the Big 12. Like, you yep. can't have that. Like it's If you want to expect this team to do good, you have to be able to be consistent. It's not even about being good per se, if you want this team to do well in the conference, it's not about being good. It's about being consistent. If you're consistently bad, well, that sucks. If you're consistently okay, you might sneak one or two. And that's where you can kind of start to get away with some things. And this is one point that I wanted to mention. So I put up a poll this week. We had 20 games to go. So now we're at 19 after the win over Stetson. So 20 games to go. What is your confidence in the Bearcats to end with a 20 win regular season? So now we're at 10, which means that we only have to snag 10 more wins through the next 19 games. That is 
a tall task. <laughs> Usually yeah. you'd say conference play, you get to conference play, you got 18 games, you got to win 10. It's like lights out. That should be easy. No question. Now it's very different. It's okay. Five is the bare minimum expectation, but five also feels really good. <laughs> so what does 10 feel like? 10 wins puts you at a 20 win season. Of course, if you win against Xavier, if you win against Dayton, those really help you out in the long run. Once you get to tournament time, you don't have to do so much infighting with the big 12. However, you do have a lot of opportunities. You have a lot of ranked games. I think this is one of those things where you're going to find out really fast. If the scaling of difficulty is as great as we think it is, which I very firmly believe that it will be just as hard as we think it is. But if it's closer and it's not as bad as we think it is, I think there's a legitimate chance that this team can find a way to play in this conference and not just get rung down to the bottom. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're Wes, you're in year three. You've got to get something going here and it can't just be like four wins. I, I feel confident, wins. Justin, in saying that both West Virginia games will be wins because, man, like <laughs> if there's a stinker in this league right now, it's West Virginia and it's Oklahoma State. So those two, man, I mean, you know, and I feel like you I haven't really watched much UCF this year, but beating them last year was a good win for for West. Like I, I feel like you can at least. So there's uh, let's say we get four there you know <laughs> just got to find six out of the other uh out of the other 14 games so uh or no I, i'm sorry i guess five if we're going to get to 20 you know because knock on wood we take care of business against evansville and you only got to win nine games over your next 18 just got to go 500 that's that's asking a lot it's i so know hard. But, it's just uh, yeah. so hard but here's the thing about and you know i've kind of waned between negativity and optimism uh, over the past few months it's been hard man here's the thing though that i'll say that you know i want to bring this up uh our guy eric Lilly, uh he's running the bearcat bunch on twitter right now great follow um he's really into a lot of the stats and stuff which as a uh someone who does data and statistics for their job i can relate to so right now our best lineup um and it's they've only played four games together but we got Jizzle, John, John Newman, Skillings, Lukosius, and Bandego. Uh, 97 offensive rating, which is really high and really good. Um, not so great rating right now uh, uh, of collection of five players, and it's the five players that literally started the season together. Day uh, Day, CJ Frederick, John Newman, Odio Guama, Victor Lockin. Uh, They have a 17 offensive rating together. So 17? Yeah, yeah, and this oh is uh, this is um, I think this is even before uh, Tuesday's game against Merrimack. So, but this is just after Dayton, basically. So, um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, uh, Odie is also in a lineup that uh, is the second lowest um, on the team right now at uh, an, with an offensive rating of thirty six. Everything else is decent to good. So, I'd say. I, I do want to ask you this, Justin, and we can ask with some tact, but um, with the additions now of Aziz and Jamil, it does seem like Odie is going to lose some of that playing time. And it, that sucks, but he's unfortunately showing right now that he's just, he's just kind of getting played off the court, to be honest. I don't, I, I, I understand the point for tact. I mean, being blunt, 
the guy, like you said, is just getting played off the court. I Odie has stuck around, you know, for better, for worse for the team. I don't necessarily think that he is just cooked for this season, but he's got to show some massive strides forward if he wants to keep playing the minutes that he's playing, because I just don't see like, I think he's right now he's feeling like what he felt when he first got here, which is the, we're going to plug him in. Your job is to get rebounds. You remember the, <laughs> you remember like the, I'm like a battery. You remember that? I remember yeah. that. Odio yeah. Guama, the battery, <laughs> the battery, but the yeah, guy, the that. guy has a lot of energy. He's bouncy. He's got, he's a good rebounder. I think he is a position player. I don't know if putting him on the court gives you an advantage that Jamil or Aziz does not have past him. Like, I think that putting those two guys on the court, either one of them beats out Odie nine times out of 10. I think he, he does a good job, but I'm just, I feel like we're in a position now where you have the depth there. You got to put him back a little bit. And honestly, I think this is one of those important things that, you start to look at, especially once conference play starts, you start to narrow down your roster and it's because, Hey, these guys are, you know, good and we want to win games, but also you narrow down your roster because once you get to a certain point, you got to make sure you stay healthy. God forbid something happens to any player on the team. You have to have a guy behind him who can step into that role. And so if, you know, Aziz is clearly already shown, he had some back problems. Of course, you know, some simpler games, you're hoping they're wins, they're gimmies but you're going to sit him. And so if you get to a bigger game in the big 12 and something happens like that again, where he needs to sit out a game or two, you have to be able to plug OD in. You got to make sure that he's healthy. So yeah. it's like, it's one of these things where it's like, he's not your best option, but he is an option and he's there and he's suitable. He is serviceable. I just don't think that he's going to go win you games playing in that position. I honestly yeah. looking at the rest of the roster too. I feel like your youth is winning out over your veterans right now. Yeah, and I think you have to lean into that, especially if you're West, because your youth is also your guys. I understand there's the veteran experience. Maybe that'll change once Big 12 game plays or Big 12 play comes around and you have some of those games where it's going to be a bit more difficult. But some of these older guys right now, it just doesn't feel like we're really getting everything that we could out of them against some easier teams. And I feel like when you put the younger guys out on the floor, it feels like they're doing better. It feels like they have more energy. They're flashier. And it's, I don't know. It's advantageous. I think to start playing these younger guys sooner because these are Wes's guys and these guys going forward will be his identity and will be his core. So your Jizzle, your Dan Skillings, I don't even know what Josh Reed is right now, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about this. Um, apparently Terry Nelson says that uh, Josh Reed is going to be the next John Newman, according to the coaching staff. I'm like, we sure about that? Like, <laughs> I, I just, just, I don't know. I, don't, I think both of our reactions to that news uh, kind of says it all. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that personally. I think John Newman's a much different, like if he means like being the every every man guy who can you can plug in that's great i just don't think that he's going to be an every man starter yeah and he's telling is... me when we bring in these four stars next year that he's going to be you know the next john newman and be a starter sure. i just don't see it yeah yeah i um, like him but i i did want to ask you about one thing real quick um rayvon has not played at all this year uh, i was pretty much like a given but 
it was confirmed this week at West's right. radio show that he is going to be a red shirt, but um, didn't really seem to affect his mood. He was like one of the first guys out there. Uh, oh, yeah, Justin's wearing a red shirt. That's why <laughs> you should watch this year, guys. I'll be that's why it. you should watch the video, everybody. <laughs> Go to the YouTube at Viva the Cats on YouTube. You got to be watching. We're our facial expressions are great, and I shaved for you all this week. Okay, I didn't. No, for no other reason. No. Um, I even got a haircut too, Justin. How about that? <laughs> like there's a holiday coming around or something. Oh yeah. But uh, I just wanted to, uh, to hear your thoughts real quick. Like, did you have any worries about Rayvon getting uh, redshirted? He didn't really seem to affect him tonight. He looked like completely happy and excited to be on the bench tonight. No, I think that that's one of those things that that's where you got to put your trust in Wes, especially as a fan. Just like, all right, this guy's the coach. This guy brought this guy in here. He got him here. He's probably paying him money. It's NIL season, baby. You're paying players money. He's getting paid to sit comfortable. And then next year, he'll get to be playing some probably heavy minutes. And he's, I would assume, I I feel like if you put Rayvon Griffith in a game right now, he's not going to be a dud. I think he's going to actually give you some really solid minutes, maybe some solid points. But again, I come back to this point where, okay, you can put him in and he can be a, you know, three to eight point kind of contribution kind of guy. I think he could legitimately do that right now, just based off of what we've seen. If I've looked at what I've seen out of high school from him and what I've seen from Jizzle, you would think apples to apples, these guys should be able to play at a similar level. You would hope that's the expectation. However, there are a lot of guys in front of him. Why burn a year of eligibility for him to just sit and get that experience when he can get that experience and practice and play, watch all the big 12 stuff just be a part of it. And then you have four years instead of three. Like it just yeah. makes so much more sense. So I really feel good about his red shirt right now. It's just, he's got to be content and he's got to stay content throughout the entire rest of the season. If things go downhill really fast in the big 12 and we're just playing ugly and we're losing some games really big and it's just not even a competition. At that point, does it hurt? Would you would you really want to play Ravon at that point either? Because then it's like, what's the point? You know, I so I think that like if there's if we're doing good, you're doing good without Ravon. If you're doing bad, you're not burning a year. So like it, it's a win win situation here. Personally, I think it all makes sense. Yeah, I think the other thing too, um, and I liked everything you said there. Um, I was listening. I bounced back and forth tonight between the radio and the and the TV, and uh, Dan and Steve Dan Horn and Steve Logan talked about this at uh, during their halftime show. Uh, Steve uh, mentioned that you know he gets a chance to instead of just put up shots uh, uh, like in warm up and not get out there on the floor at all, he gets to go work out day of the game and just not have that like just trying to get show his coaches in pregame and in practice uh, that he can do it, uh, and he still gets to practice with the team. So. I think that was one of the things that I really noticed just from being able to watch him when he was playing um, out here in Arizona, like even on like that select, like that prep school team, he was not really playing as much as I thought he might just because of the level level of talent he was. And I'm sure like, that's a thing that, you know, he like, it shows that he took that chance on himself to go out to Arizona compass and really try to improve his game by playing against these 
more talented teams instead of just going to win another high school state title like at at d3 here in ohio i i think he's good with the challenge i like everything that shows about him says he he's fine with the work and he looked com- like completely happy on the bench tonight like uh, he was the first one like running out to high five people and like was excited and uh i he's showing all the good signs of wanting to stay involved with the team and obviously i think all the players love wes so it, that's not just like a decision that was made rashly i'm sure they talked about it they had conversations and if wes you know if wes like said he thinks he could go right now he's not going to hold him back just to hold him back he, right we saw first year of wes he was letting freshmen just go <laughs> so <laughs> um i i I'm not really too worried about it, but I saw some uh, UC Twitter this week talk, just talking about that, and I thought we should address it. Yeah, like I said, I, I feel I feel really good about it personally. I don't think there's any reason for concern looking at him versus any of the other guys, um, you know, that are playing right now. I just don't see the advantage in burning a year. It just doesn't make sense. Um, yep. And this is actually because we've mentioned I mentioned my point on you know how the big 12 could be up, could be down. You don't really know where you're going to be until you, I think you're going to get a rude welcome when you play against BYU. Um, And it's going to be again in Provo. As we know, Provo, crazy city, awesome city, but crazy people there for better, for worse. (laughs) So like, it's going to be an awesome environment for them to play in, but it's going to be a rude awakening to play in that environment and then immediately have to play against another four or five ranked teams after that. And you're talking a top, uh, I guess, 20 team, maybe not top 10. I said that earlier, but they lost to Utah, of course, um, which of all teams are going to lose to. Why do you lose to, lose to Utah? But at least that shows that, hey, BYU looks pretty good this year. There's another quality team that you're immediately adding to the conference next year that, again, will just make it more difficult. So with that said. Shout out Gabe Matson. <laughs> shout out Gabe Matson. Um and Mikey Saunders, too. I don't know. No, he's he at McNeese now. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, which actually, shout out to him as well. Hopefully, he's doing well. Um, yeah. For those of you who didn't hear, I believe he got in a car accident this past week, but he seems to be okay. So good to hear that. Um, but regardless of that whole situation there, um, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven teams in the Big 12 right now which are at 10 or more wins. Um, Of course, then you have TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, and Kansas State, all with nine wins. So you only have two teams in this conference that have, sorry, three teams in this conference that have not achieved nine wins already on the season. Non-conference, of course, you play some gimmies. Sometimes some of these teams play, you know, like a college hoops classic where you're playing a Duke or you're playing a Michigan State, you're playing a Purdue, you're playing some tough teams. So far, it seems like everybody's taking care of business and non-conference. We're doing that too. We're going to see quickly, like I said before, that level scaling. And okay, does our 10 and 2 mean jack diddly shit when we go to play Houston? Does it mean anything when we play Kansas or BYU or Oklahoma or Baylor or Iowa State or TCU or Texas or Kansas State or Texas? Like it's this whole, this whole conference is going to be loaded. And I just don't think that we're ready for it. But I'm still really excited because you have so many chances so early to like get that swing. And remember, this is one of the things that I think is going to feel good about this season. 
because a five win season in the Big Twelve, if it's five wins, if you <laughs> if you win against Evansville, you're at eleven and two. If you proceed to only win five more games and you sit at sixteen wins at the end of the season, if two of those are against UCF, two of those are against West Virginia. One of the other ones has to be a quad one at worst quad two win. And it's probably on the road or it's at home. Oklahoma State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like maybe it's those, but hopefully not. Hopefully it's some of these other ones. But again, like you're talking like if you have five or six wins here at the minimum of what you would hope for, you're getting a quad one win. You're getting a quad two win. Like you're doing the thing that we've been waiting for for West. So like, now it's not really the point of like, oh, you've missed out on a lot of these opportunities. Now all of these games are all of these opportunities. So that two and 17 and quad one wins, that's going to look really different when you get to the end of the season. And it's going to be one way or the other. <laughs> so which side of right. it are we going to be on? That's going to be the tough part. God, yeah. I hope we're on the right side of that. <laughs> you can do it, Wes. We believe in you. You only have like... 13 or 14 quad one games. So make the most of them, buddy. I don't think it's 13 or 14. I think it's like at least, I think it's 10. I think 10 of them are quad one. I'm going to look right now just, just because I am curious. You might have, it might take you a minute there if you're looking for that. Um, it looks like we, uh, right now, uh, oh, are you looking at we have, uh, we have 10. Uh, yeah. remaining Q1 games just based off of bracketologists. Uh, oh, there you go. West West Virginia is our only currently remaining Q4 game. <laughs> They're a Q4 game. That's a, that's still... the home game against them. The last game of the year. Still so. a home game in their Q4. That's that's sad. Yeah. Sorry, West Virginia. We we know we know uh, we, we know what it's like. Unfortunately, <laughs> take me home <laughs> to, the to the place where I belong. I belong. Cincinnati. Well, <laughs> Oof. That's a that's a tough one. Yeah, they're sitting at four and seven. Um, the real question is have they got better since they also were beneficiaries of instant transfers becoming allowed? Well, uh, I saw that Raekwon Battle only played about 10 minutes um Wednesday night, and they still lost to Radford on a last second shot. So They've lost to Radford, UMass, Pitt, St. John's, another transitive property game. St. John's is playing everybody. Virginia, SMU, and Monmouth. Yeah. And their wins are against Drexel, Bellarmine, Jacksonville State, and Missouri State. This is a cupcake schedule, and they are doing a piss-poor job of participating in that schedule. That's honestly really sad. They're not really helping themselves much, are they? (laughs) No. And Oklahoma State really is, I mean, they're losing the games that, I don't know, they're they're in an interesting position too, but they're not West Virginia bad. See, I look at West Virginia's situation, I look at Oklahoma State's situation, UCF 8-3, and three, losses to Ole Miss, Miami, and Stetson, another transitive property game. What is going on here? We've got a <laughs> lot of apples that we're going to make a chart. We're going to make a chart of the circle of suck, and hopefully we're on the top of that, and it doesn't complete because we're the ones who are on top. Regardless, I do feel better after looking at some of these other teams' losses. Kansas State. Okay, well, 
Well, they lost at home to Nebraska, which I'm interested in. Um, By scoring 46 points. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, That's and uh, they had the uh, issue with Naquan Tomlin um, not like being asked to leave the basketball team and then immediately going into, into the transfer portal, possibly to West Virginia. I haven't really heard where he's going yet, but it's been a weird situation for K-State this year as well. I would just like to uh, take this moment to imagine what – it would be like in the world of mid-season transfers. You have a transfer deadline by the time conference play starts. If you're like, fuck it, I'm out of this team and I'm transferring. I'm taking my talents to South Beach. We're playing for Miami of Ohio. Let's fucking go, baby. I'm going to drop 22 on Oakland. Like, I want that kind of like mid-season transfer portal. That'd be insane. You don't burn a year of eligibility. That'd be fucking crazy. You'd you have might just so get it, Justin, chaos. because like now uh, NCAA said they're not even going to like challenge multiple time transfers next year. So did they say that officially? Yeah, they officially came out and like put down their sword on that. So, so, so I wonder, is this a thing where it's going to be like COVID where it's like, okay, we've got the COVID year and then this is just going to be a thing that we're going to have to deal with for the next four or five years. Or is it like a, we're just out completely. Like we're well, I feel off. like we're going to be dealing with the COVID year somehow until like 2027. Um, but um, I, I saw someone today on Twitter, Justin, saying that Talia Tungavailoa hasn't decided yet whether he wants to go to the draft or try and get an extra year of eligibility, and that there's a possible legal case, half joking, half serious, that he would just try to say, I have a better chance to make money playing college football than I do professional football. Like, can I just keep playing college football? And like for the NCAA to, and like, if he just keeps going for degrees, like, uh, would that be like thrown out in court? Just because they keep losing everything in court. Like that's our, that's our dream, Justin, that we like, can Jaron Cumberland then come back and just get it? Like, I don't know, a, Another degree. Uh, yeah, and how bad do you come- want the NFL level, my guy? I'm willing. I'm willing to throw some dollars down. I got a, I got a crispy like five dollar bill in my pocket right now. Let's go. <laughs> come on, Des, come on back, baby. We need you to like take that. Uh, you 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 want to do a business job after your career, or um, you want to just yeah. be an engineer like Alec Pierce? Like, what what do you want? Like, we just bring yeah. back the whole 2021 team <laughs> and just say like. What do you guys want? Kobe, <laughs> Sauce, my boys. What are y'all doing? Come on. Come back to We got Cincinnati. Cincinnati Rains now. Y'all Fun. can get yeah. in there. <laughs> hey, you're always loved here. The NFL yep. fans, they love you one week. They hate you the next. Cincinnati, we love you all the time. We love everybody all the time, even if we talk shit about them later. But it's, we love all of them. We love all if of them. If you wear my colors, I love you. Unless you go to that, that blue school, then I don't like you. Yeah, hey. Come on, baby. Come on back. Who's going to be the first dude to transfer like directly from Xavier to Cincinnati or Vi- well, I guess Sky Guggins already did it and that didn't really work out for us. You know who's going to be the first guy to do that? Who's that? Olivari, baby. Oh my Wes gosh. has already been on the recruiting trail. He's going to get him. <laughs> God, could you imagine that? I would wow. pray for that day. I would pray for that day. And then he makes all his threes against the other team and then uh he's uh, hated worldwide among Xavier fans. <laughs> that would that would be worth it. That would definitely be worth it. Steve, is it time to transition to the gridiron for uh, perhaps the last time of the year? Of the of the 2023 year. We're, yeah. we're going to talk about it next year. <laughs> <laughs> Dad joke. Um, speaking of football, real quick, uh, as we were recording the past segment, uh, UCF officially lost their bowl game, um, finished six and seven. 
suck on that one, Knights. See, see, you already beat me to the punch. This is this is some this is some laser laser stuff, stuff here. You want to talk about UCF. I wanted to talk about UCF. I want to talk about the fact that UCF has done this for the second time this season where they had a massive lead against a team that should have just been business over. And they blew it. Um, let's let's go back to the Baylor versus UCF game this year where UCF had 21, seven and seven through the first three quarters. So if you do some quick math, it's 28, 35 points. That is 35 to a grand total of uh, 10. That's th- 35. It was not even 35. It was 28. Oh, at the half. And then it was 35. Oh, sorry. 35, seven, 28, seven, 35, seven. They lost that game 36, 35. So this is the second time that UCF has done this this season. So if you have a lead, UCF fans, get ready for some misery. I hope it happens more. I sincerely hope it happens more. And I'm so glad that all you bull-eligible words I shouldn't say on a live camera suckas should be very excited for your six and seven season. I'm so glad that you got to go to a bowl game and get absolutely trounced by a bad Georgia Tech team. You're on the losing season just like us. How about that? How's huh? it feel? You're How's it feel, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Welcome that was a um, that was interesting. Um, and uh, it's funny just because the night before USF lo- just looks unbelievable yeah. and blows Syracuse out of the damn water, destroyed Syracuse. Yeah, and I'm sure the USF fans finally have something to brag about. Is like, what you couldn't beat an ACC team? We did. Like, <laughs> what's going on there? So, so did we bring on the wrong? the wrong Florida team to the big 12. I did tweet back at a locked on big 12 last night from our account. Uh, South Florida should be the next big 12 member. I was like, no, never. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no you thanks. had your opportunity. You had like a 10 year start on, on UCF. And, you had uh, a 10 year start on UCF and you had a pretty good chunk of a start on Cincinnati at that too. And yep. they let all of that wash down to the drain of being absolutely deplorable. That my fun the funniest thing about them too is that when they went to the Big East, they brought out like a golden shovel and they oh, yeah. like they dug out a part of the end zone at UCF um to signify that like we're leaving you in the in the past and we're going to the big tw- and we're going to the big east and like we're never gonna play you again. And like it's funny that I I would have thought UC uh, UCF would have done something similar last year because they played their last game of regular season conference play at the Ray J and they didn't really do anything like that. So you can't, you can't tamper with an NFL field, Steve. That's the only reason why. Well, apparently uh, the bucks didn't want to tamper with the field. Cause uh, there was uh, no end zone paint uh, for, <laughs> for that game either. So, I mean, are the bucks really tampering with the end zone in any way, shape or form anyways? Hey, Zinger, <laughs> Zinger Mayfield, what you doing? <laughs> anyways, Bearcats, Steve, what are we talking about here? Well, um, Bearcats improved in a couple of different metrics uh, for the recruiting classes. Um, although, be it from last year, where uh, they obviously a new class, new coach class is never really that great. Um, still improved. Uh, they finished uh, as of today, fifty third overall uh, and seventh in the Big Twelve according to two four seven Sports. One four star player in cornerback Daniel James out of Georgia. Uh, 30th in the transfer uh, 
class ranking overall, sixth in the Big 12, although we are still active. Our biggest transfers so far are uh, Indiana quarterback Braden Sorsby and two Ohio State guys, one running back Evan Pryor, not Evan Prater, Evan Pryor, uh, and one safety Kai Stokes, who Coop Ledford said that we would like. So um, I hope he's right. Justin, uh, we are still, like I said, we are still active in the transfer portal, and um, we could still be active until literally the season kicks off uh, next fall. But my only takeaway from this so far is that, uh, and I posted a tweet on Wednesday, just just recapping what happened, uh, and I tweeted like the video that the football team put out, and someone responded like, uh, "I don't see this as a reason to get excited." I was like, "I didn't even put an exclamation point in this post. Like, <laughs> I'm literally just recapping what happened." So, um, unfortunately, I just don't know if Coach Satterfield is going to be a high rankings guy, which, um kind of says what we need to say there uh his highest ever ranking at louisville um of course he had he was a new coach coming in one year and that year he was a 71 uh 71st rated class uh 51st and then 44th in uh 20 for his 2021 class um 53rd obviously not great um fickle was pulling in better classes as part of the aac but i will say that you know they, the guys that he had, and I don't know how many of the guys were were holdovers or were recruited by Sat, but I mean, I think I have to dive dive deep into that before next year, Justin, to see how many of those guys were just Scott Satterfield recruited uh, to Louisville because it speaks to their development that they were able to develop from the 43rd or 44th overall rated class and be able to produce to and lead their team this year to the a- ACC uh title game. I mean, and how much is that would... under Jeff Brom to the ACC title game? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Of course. And then how much of that was Jeff Brom? Um right. how much of that was like Sat's staff and development? We'll right. see. Uh it wasn't really like the greatest mood across UC Twitter after that happened. Um I kind of remember just like, you know, past couple of years like signing day used to be like, oh yeah, like we, we got the number one class in the conference, like things are looking up. And of course, UCF is uh, leading the way with the number one class in the conference. But um, if you can't win a bowl game against Georgia Tech, then what does all those recruits mean? So anyway, though, Justin, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but I kind of think that rating kind of says it all. Um, you know, I mean, you can be excited about Samaj Jones, like maybe – he can be come in and do something. Um, you're going to have three quarterbacks on campus next year. Uh, four, if you include Brady Lichtenberg, who all are like decent to good. I think Sorsby's like just the um, projected starter already for next year. But it's uh, it's unfortunately kind of telling so far of just like what the staff has been able to do um, when you're able to like your first year in the Big Twelve. And uh, I mean they they've talked about also like trying to create those local relationships for the 2025 class, because it does take about 18 months to really get in and get to know the, the local uh, staffs and school. But uh, I want to hear from you. What do you think about (laughs) this, this ranking? 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, where do I begin? Um, let's put it this way. If this was basketball, Wes is doing a fantastic job. And he's bringing in the numbers, but he's also bringing in the players. Players are going to be a huge thing. You're going to have to look at culture fit. You might have some guys that might be more talented. You might have some guys who aren't as talented, but regardless, money's involved now. And I think that this is a huge thing that is really shifting our perspective on a lot of this. And I don't know if we're necessarily putting, you know, key into hole and turning key to open said door for this sort of veil that's over our eyes right now, which is, Okay, you have a number of 53. It doesn't look great. But also, there's a lot of schools pumping a shit ton of money into their football programs, pumping a shit ton of money into NIL in it as a whole. And so, however Cincinnati is using that, it doesn't really matter when you compare it to whatever school is next to, until you compare it to whatever school is next to it, and you see how much money are they putting into NIL. So I think if there was a really good way to look at this whole system, if we just know the exact number of how much NIL money was spent, which I don't know if we're ever really going to know that, maybe we'll get that, we'll be privy to that information eventually. But if Cincinnati spends $10 million, which throwing out numbers here, but if they spend $10 million and they're at 53, that's going to look really good if Tennessee spends $25 $25 million and they're at 35 because there's a huge gap in money that you can spend in that talent. But again, now if you look at the flip side of it, if you're spending $10 million and somebody else is spending $8 million and they're a worse program, but they're getting the same level of recruits as you. Now I think you have a little bit of a disparity there. I think the money is a huge piece that we're really not factoring in into a way that we used to factor for just pure recruiting. It's like, this is the guy, this is their ranking, this is their number, now it's paychecks. And I think that that's a completely different game that we just have to get used to. 
And I think it's really going to change the way that we perceive how somebody does in success in a transfer portal, not just transfer portal, but like in your, you know, your rookie classes and all these other, um, you know, stat ranking graphs that we're pulling for all these guys that we're pulling into the team. Like it's just, it changes the game. Like it's, it's not the same playing field and it never will be the same playing field again. And unfortunately I think for a lot of teams on the lower end of that, that talent and money disparity is going to get wider and wider. And so I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing that we're at where we're at, but I also don't know if it's a good thing. And I don't know if we can necessarily make that argument until we see what happens with this class in like two to three seasons from now. And that's if Satterfield's here. That's if all the same guys are here. That's if all of that comes to fruition. I don't know if you can ever truly measure how good a recruiting class is right now until you see a couple years of what money being put into a program does for that program. We already know it's working for the big programs like Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, you know, so on and so forth, Michigan, all those guys. But what does that mean for Cincinnati? I don't know, but if it was basketball and then we were just talking purely numbers, no, I don't feel great about it because it's a team sport. Like your average composite in football rankings versus basketball rankings Basketball, of course, is only going to be one or two guys, but those one or two guys could be, you know, for us, it could have been Jaron Cumberland, or it could have been Gary Clark, or it could have been Jacob Evans. You've got a guy who went to the NBA, a guy who didn't play in the NBA. One is in like the top 25 or top 40 of his class, and another one is in the hundreds, but the impact is virtually the same. Football is a team sport. It's completely different. You have to, there's a baseline average where all those guys talent wise makes a big difference. And it can't just be one guy that's going to really change it. And as much as I am excited for Samaj, I don't think that Samaj is going to be the one turn key guy for this. It's going to be a full team effort. And so that's a really long winded answer. I'm sorry for that, <laughs> but I've, I've do feel really, uh, well, I feel I was like going to say pace I... ourselves. I think we got to pace ourselves and i think we're just saying all of these things to try and say something different other than the thing that we all think about um this current head coach i'm sure he's a nice personable guy i mean well we did hear the thing about the radio show so i don't know uh it was his birthday this week too so again um i just don't want to like say the Christmas. easiest you can't buy humbug holiday season yeah i I just don't say want to say the say easy thing. I just don't want to say flat out right that he sucks and we're going to fire him next year. Like because I don't think we're going to fire him next year. Maybe after year three, if it really doesn't get turned around. I just think, like even Philip was saying it. Like you know, this is just like a bad hire for Cincinnati, and it's like, you know, after year one, maybe we just didn't have the roster. But it's it's just like hard to deny if, you know, like and obviously like the highest ranked big team in the big 12 was uh texas tech and they're 22 overall so what's the difference between 22 and 53 um right. you're still seventh in the big 12 you know middle tier maybe you can coach those guys up a little bit um but i i just like it, it could be a lot worse for sure but i think the final number like if and it, like you know fans are just going to see that final number at being 53 is uh you know not great but it is kind of impressive, though, Justin. I kind of noted this that uh, we have twenty-one commitments, and they all were either three or four stars. Like, I think that's that's pretty good. Like, that's to good. be honest, yeah. just because 
um, we have, you know, we haven't really had that before at UC and that's kind of surprising to see that. And um, again, Bearcat Bunch, second shout out on this show, but he's mentioned that we only carried 80 uh, scholarships uh, last year. So um, I'm wondering, you know, if you, you have those five flexibility spots for after the spring transfer portal opens and you're able to bring in people who can immediately help your team right away, then, then that's your extra spots. And maybe that's just a, uh, a thing where we're trying to definitely fill, like get the highest guys we can for 21 spots um, and just fill in on the back end with transfers, which I like more than what Colorado's doing because um, do you see they only had six uh, high school commits for the 2024 class? Like, and like that, didn't that one kid decommit too that mm-hmm. committed on Undisputed? Man, uh, he's not going to be there that long, is he? No, it's that's a whole that's a train wreck. I mean, I think what that happens, what happens very quickly there is people see through the veil very fast. Yeah, people see through all of the BS really fast. As fun as the Dion experience was from the start, I don't know. I mean, he you got time he's got time but he's got also on a clock you have the expectation of you know okay you're Deion sanders so you know that's fun but you also have the expectation of okay well you're also a college coach and now you're in a premier you know power five conference power four now rip pack 12 congratulations to washington state and oregon state for uh pulling in the dough i don't know what they got for it but they got the remaining payout of whatever's left for the uh for the Pac-12. I don't know how that works out, but good for them. But regardless, you know, you're in a premier conference and this is the same thing that I go think goes for Cincinnati too. It's the exact same thing. You're in premier conference. You should be a premier coach. You should put a premier team on the field and you should have premier performances. You should be good. You should play lower teams and it shouldn't be a problem. You should dominate them. You should play teams that you're used to playing in your conference at your level and go toe to toe every single week. You can't sit at the bottom. I don't think that's going to happen for Cincinnati. I th- It happened for Colorado. I don't think it's going to happen for Cincinnati. I don't think that this is going to be par for the course. I do think that the team is going to get better, but it's going to need a lot of work in this offseason to get good and get good fast because la- this, pa- this first year was... <laughs> I would love to call it a year zero. It was not a year zero. Like, this was a year one. Like, I think we use this excuse for Wes. So, like, Wes is technically in his year two versus the year zero from, like, the Brandon era to this. The Brandon era exit was ugly and took a lot of guys with it. The exit from Fick was ugly, but we kept a lot of the core. We kept some of those good guys that we wanted to keep. So I don't think that is necessarily a year zero for Scott Satterfield, especially given the implication of where he was, what the circumstances were, how Louisville felt about him, what his out, outlook was at Louisville, which was not much of an outlook. It was going downhill very fast. And so I think that he starts off on that year one out the gate the way you would expect a coach to, and he doesn't really get that year of flexibility and he doesn't really get that, you know, sort of monkey off his back early. He's just going to have to work really hard and he's going to have to turn some of these, you know, few close score games into some wins and the wide margin games we had this year are going to have to be close games 
He's going to have to convince people that we had quality losses and he's going to have to win if he's not, you know, if, if, if he's not losing a game close and he, or sorry, if he's not winning a game close or he's not winning a game large, you have to lose close. This is what this team needs in order for people to like, believe that the team can be that. But right now they're looking for wins and that's, that's all it is. Like they want this fan, fan base wants to see a, a one in the win column in a zero in the L column. That's what people are looking for. Yeah. And unfortunately, if you can't do that, you're not going to stick around here long because the expectation is to be good. Mm-hmm. And nothing short of that should be expected real quick. Yeah. I know I've just talked for a really long time. I want to mention this one thing that uh, I noted this week. There was this random Oklahoma state fan who mentioned that he basically felt like there was, you know, buyer's remorse on, Cincinnati and Houston, but felt UCF and BYU are still their products. I would just like to mention that UCF is on a third year head coach. BYU is on an eighth year head coach and Houston was on a fifth year head coach. So all those guys in the mix, you had a lot of experience Cincinnati. And this is also for our fans too. As ugly as it was, it is still year one. And it's in a new conference, and we had a lot of shit thrown our way at one go. Some of the other BYU is five and seven. They're in year eight of this guy. You either get it or you don't. No, no shade on Kalani Sataki. Like, good for him, but like five and seven was not their expectation. They didn't guess what, Justin. All four of those schools had losing seasons now officially with UCF. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to the Big 12. Get punched in the fucking mouth. What was the clip like we had over the summer? Like, uh, welcome to the Big 12, go fuck yourself or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Speaking of welcome to the Big 12, Justin, I uh, we are near the end of the year, and I think we uh, we should talk about some of the things that went on in the year that was Bearcat Sports in 2023. So, I'm just curious, do you have a a one standout best moment for you uh, for UC athletics in the year of our Lord, 2023. If we, okay. If you remove time, so this is, this is a best moment. Immediately not moment in time. This isn't, this is a bubble outside of all the other stuff going on in my bubble. For the Cincinnati Bearcats, and as sad as this is to say, it was the win against Eastern Kentucky because we were all high as hell on that game. And we thought we were going to destroy the world, and we thought Emory Jones was the second coming of Jesus Christ. I thought you were going to say the pit game, to be honest. The pit game felt great. The pit game definitely felt great, and it was great to be on the road. But like the EKU game, like we were like, okay, this is going to be game over. Like, we saw what we came off of last year. I understand this is not a great team, but we're just beating the fucking brakes off of this team. If I could live in that moment again, I would take that. The pit game is a very close second, though. As much that game definitely meant more, but also then we got to watch Pitt for the rest of the year. So good point. Whatever. I'm going to kind of go off the board here um, and say that the golf team making their first ever NCAA tournament was a really cool moment. Um, And, you know, we've talked about like uh, we've done our our sports wrap ups this week, by the way, shout out to 
Coach Merriweather, eight and three start in Big Twelve play, best start um, in fifteen years for the women's basketball program. Shout out to them. Um, but you know, I I think one of the things that I've noticed um, is that unfortunately, I just some of our sports uh, around like the athletic department are like we we are a football and basketball school for sure, and some of the other sports just you know weren't. Like if we want football and basketball to be really good, we should hope for all all of our sports to be really good. I understand that's impossible, but I, you know, I, I it's uh, I really want to like shout out uh, and have good things happen for our Olympic sports and you know just sports that people may not follow as much. And man, like golf team making the NCAA tournament first time ever, like that's legit history. Like history was made this year. So shout out to them, man. Like they, like that, that's probably kind of an off the radar one, but like they deserve all the praise for like having a great season last year and reaching that point. That's a very good point. <clears throat> now those were our best moments. What was your least favorite slash worst moment of oh. 2023 from a UC athletics standpoint? I would just like to add to don't take too much stock in my best moment because they're I wanted to stay football and basketball centric. Thank you, Steve, for actually finding a good moment. But uh, I have a non-football basketball worst moment, too. If you could live in a moment, this is what I was going with. But the actual best moment, that's still not it. So I went for the what you could live in the moment. And I'm sort of regretting it because it's going to sound so sad. It's sad, Steve. And a game against EKU should not be our best moment. Hey, but there I, really I, wasn't a lot of good stuff. I out. said on the space last week that 2023 needed to end for Bearcats sports because it was not good to us. This is true. Uh, it did not end quite as well as the 2021 season ended. Uh, or sorry, right. 2021 year, calendar year ended because that felt really good. And 22 calendar year at that too. Shout out Bengals. Um Worst moment? Does it need to be said, Steve? Do we even need to talk about it? I'll put my uh, money in the Cincy Range jar. And uh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Do you have a pen and paper next to you? Um, I can grab one real quick. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do, Steve. Oh boy. All right, we're both going to write down the worst moment of the 2023 season at the same time, and we're going to show each other what it is at the same time. All right, I'm grabbing a pen. And I think that out of the entire calendar year, this should go without debate. We're waiting on Steve's return. Would you guys like to know what this ISBN number is? Because that's what's written on this paper on the other side. 13-987179751857257. That is a book about nursing. So enjoy that. Uh, Steve, are you ready? Maybe. Do 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 do
All right, Steve. We ready. The worst moment in Bearcats. In the Bearcats 20. Let me start that again. The worst moment in 2023 for the Cincinnati Bearcats across all sports. Show us now. You got to unblur your camera there, sir. Oh. There it is. Kudos to you. Baseball gambling, Miami game. It is the Miami game. I love your honorable mention. There's yeah, no people forget about that, to be honest. Uh, I forgot about we, that. Uh, we had to let go of our uh, base, baseball staff uh, because. Uh, Someone was letting people know about certain movements in college baseball games. So uh, not great, but uh, the first one was, uh, uh, as Scott Van Pelt's soundboard would say, not very good. Not very good. and Not very good indeed. Um, I think that went without question that the Miami game was the worst game on any court, on any field for the Bearcats of any part of the year. It was a travesty. We were bamboozled, run amok, run astray, embarrassed, flabbergasted, shocked, awed, disappointed, angry, pissed off, downright fucking pissed. That was a, uh, that was, that, that was a streak that, I think there was legal adults. If they weren't legal adults, they were very close to being a legal adult of never getting to see Miami beat the Cincinnati Bearcats, and they ruined it. Thank you, Scott Satterfield. That one's cooked. I still think if they would have fired him that week, people would be like, all right, yeah. I mean, yeah. you knew what you had to do and you lost. So <laughs> you had, we actually said, I think we said in this, uh, we, I'd have to go back and fish a really long time. Maybe I can make a clip of this if I could find it. I believe at some point during the off season, when we talked about Scott Satterfield, we said, what are your goals for the season? And we said, your one thing that you cannot do is lose to Miami. And what did they go and do? They lost that... to Miami. It, I don't yeah. care if it was overtime. I don't care what excuses you have. You lost to Miami. And there's no excuse for that. The expectation is to beat the brakes off Miami. And if you don't do that, win. Just win. Win in overtime. Nothing's there. The well, they had a chance to win in regulation, sucked. but... uh, The game sucked. The vibes sucked. You sent, I'm pretty sure, way too many people drinking that night. So at least you did that. Nobody's drinks got paid for that night. Sad all around, man. Very sad. Yep. Yep. That was a, I think we can close the book on that now. Um, We'll donate. We'll figure out the rain star for something else next year. We'll have a new thing for the rain star, but at least we get to close off 2023 with the absolute worst moment. And the last time officially officially official last time that we will ever mention the game that shall not be mentioned against the Red Hawks 
of Miami, Ohio, the worst moment of 2023. Dead and gone. Dead and gone. But you know what's not dead and gone? A certain special deal from our friends over at Charlie Hustle. That's right. The 101215 promo code that gets you 15% off of all non-sale items. It's the holiday season. And the best thing you can do is go over to Charlie Hustle and snag some proper clothing for the proper weather. We have some awesome deals for you there that you can use. Again, our promo code, which is 101215 for 15% off. And you can get some awesome tees sweatshirts hoodies jackets you name it they've got it all and if you don't even want to get anything college related they have a lot of kansas city stuff i'm joking don't go grab the kansas city stuff unless you're from kansas city and you like that cincinnatians you can grab the regular threads or threads uh, are great if you're a fan of ted lasso they have the sweatshirt that ted lasso wore of the kansas city barbecue joint from one of the shows so you can do that there's also a USA Drinking Team 1776 shirt. Mm-hmm. Pretty versatile, I'd say. There's also, Justin, a Bearcats shirt on there. Uh, it's the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats, but <laughs> we got to join our brethren. That we do. There is still a Bearcats product existing. Maybe 2024 will bring us good fortune in a Charlie Hustle Cincinnati official short shirt. Short shirt. Shirt. Shorts, too, would be great. Let's get it all. Regardless, thank you to Charlie Hustle for this whole back half of this season that they've covered for us. We really appreciate working with them, and uh, it's been fun. So hoping that we can keep it continuing on. But with all of that said, happy holidays, folks. Merry Christmas. Go enjoy time with your family. Go enjoy time with your friends. And if you don't have family or friends, you have us here, and we're always here to make you feel better about the Bearcats, even though we just rounded off the year with the absolute worst moment. We can at least give you some smiles and laughs, hopefully, if nothing else. So from myself, for Steve, thank you all. It was a very, very fun and joyous 2023 with many ups and many downs. But we're here through it all, and we will continue to be here through it all in 2024. So with that, I bid you adieu, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, Go Bearcats, Viva La Cats, to 2024 we come. Auld Lang Syne, Viva La Cats. Viva La Cats. Sports Social Podcast Network.